Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. Today's guest is Olympic medalist Jeff Hugel. Hugel might be in front now. Hugel and Clem. Clem and Hugel. Hugel's in front. Hugel, Clem, the touch, the touch, and there it is. Hugel wins by 100. Hi, Skippy. Hi. Hello and welcome to... Sorry, I'm just pouring myself some water. (laughs) You're fine. It's all right, I've got my my lemon juice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's start again. All right. Hello and welcome to All That Glitters. No, I'm not that professional. Um, How are you? How have you been? How's Singapore? How's life? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I can't complain. You know, it's it's been good. It's um, It's been different. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I think, um, you know, when, when the opportunity came to move here about four years ago, it was pretty good. Like, I mean, it, it was a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so I, I jumped at it. I made a hard call to, um, to obviously leave my home country and mm. come and set up in a foreign country overseas. I mean, that was pretty tough. And then, as we were just talking about before, with COVID as well, uh, I mean, no one predicted that, right? I think, um, and, and that's... <laughs> nope. It's been the big tester forever, and I think the the only words that you could really describe with COVID, I think the one word that sums up at where everyone's sort of at is just fatigued, mm. right? Everyone's just just over the lockdowns, over the whole situation, over over you know a lot of it, and you know. But look, I can't complain. Like I was fortunate, I I got to hold on to my job. I you know I got to um, keep doing the things that I love doing on a daily basis. It's just, uh, it's just one of those things where hopefully we're now starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. I think everyone's just put COVID in a box, to be honest. I think we're all, yeah. we're, we're like, you know what? The apocalypse is coming and fuck anything else to do with COVID. And it's crazy because, like, there's so much, um, there's so many cases here in Brisbane, I know for sure. Like, it's rising crazily in Australia, but everyone's just like, well, <laughs> time to move on well, think, because we're dealing I, with floods, we're dealing with wars, we're dealing with everything else. We yeah. just we're, we we have no more bandwidth. There's no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Queenslanders are uh, you know they're just tough through and through, and uh, you know I think that's exactly right. It's it's just another thing that everyone just has to deal with, and I think um, you know as we said, now it's just time to get on with it and start moving on with life, and and hopefully 2022. Now that Q1's almost over, hopefully the rest of 2022 is. Uh, Don't is jinx be a lot it. Better. No, you're jinxing yeah. it. <laughs> Don't do that. You've put the, the what is it? The, the, the Kavorka on it. The Kavorka like a, on it. I haven't yeah. heard that term, but yes, the Kavorka. <laughs> um, uh, I have to ask how was SAS? How was that experience for you to do SAS Australia? Oh man, it was brutal. Yeah. It was just fucking brutal. <laughs> like that's just it just doesn't stop. It yeah. just does not stop, right? Like I and and it's it is I, I it is without a doubt, I reckon it was it is basically exactly if you were trying out for the military, especially yeah, the SAS. Right. right. So the cameras don't stop rolling. Um and the it's 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 just the you always on right mm. you just don't you just don't switch off right so from right from the first morning and this is a hard thing that a lot of people just don't see you can't you're talking about 
you know, 18 to 20 hours of filming condensed into 90 minutes. And when you've got 15, 16, 17, 12, 10 different personalities, they're all different stories that are going on and everyone's experience is a little bit different as well, right? But um, right from the go, I mean, you, you've got the anxiety and the nerves because the one thing you don't want to do is just fuck up, yeah. right? That is the, <laughs> That'd be the worst. <laughs> don't fuck up, yeah, right? Exactly. So, you know, because you don't want to cop an absolute hammering or just like a spray for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And so you do the first task, which was the one we got lit, lit on fire. And then, and then on top of that as well, you think, okay, this is it. And then, but straight away, boom, as soon as the task finishes, you rip into this beasting session and you just, you don't know how long it goes for and you don't know what it is. Or at least when we were doing a training set, the coach puts the set up and says, this you know is what we're doing, this is where we're at. Yeah. yeah. And you can, you, you know, but this thing is just full on. And then, so you're just there sitting there and you're sucking in the seagulls going, holy smokes, this is like, man, I'm a bit unfit. I'm really unfit here. <laughs> And then they're trying to break you mentally as well, yeah. right? So you're doing these burpees and then every time you jump, they're going, right, now shout out, I am a wanker. <laughs> so they're going, I am a wanker. <laughs> I am a wanker. <laughs> they're just trying to get into your head, right? They're just trying to get into your head, right, just to tear you down, right? And you're there and, you know, you sort of finish this first beasting session and we're in the car and we're on the way all the way back to, uh, back to base. And I'm sitting there, like, and you do, you question yourself going, fuck, what am I doing Why here? am what? I this here? Is, yeah, why am I here? This is legit, man. This is real. And, yeah, but, like, as the days go by, you can just see people mentally just starting mm. to fall apart, fall apart. And I think, I think, you know, for me, I loved it. I loved the whole mental side of it. I love, yeah. Once you got used to the routine, I loved the, the, the thrashing and I loved getting yelled at and I loved that sort of abuse well, and that sort of stuff. Well, it's kind of like... Right. Kind of like home, right? Like, not that our coaches were like that. Do you know what I mean? But we we thrived off being like punishing our bodies in in a type of way. Like, although I don't know about Ken, Ken was pretty intense. (laughs) Yeah, but but also too, it's look, and that's the way I looked at it. I just looked at it as this a it's a two week training camp, right? And and this is the stuff that you and I grew up with. Mm. You train, you do your admin, you sleep. You train, you admin, you sleep, mm. right? And you 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 take every moment that you can to get as much rest as possible because, you know, you don't know when the flogging's going to come. Yeah. You don't know how long it's going to go for. And there's no point standing around trying to guess what sign of flogging you're going to get because yeah. whatever you think you're going to get, you're just way off the mark and you're never going to get it. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was. look, I, I mean, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. There were contestants with broken ribs and broken hands and fingers and broken ankles wow. and, um, you know, pee the skin all off everyone's nose and hair ripped out of people's heads. Yeah, I saw like Melissa Wu, yeah. like, face plant after the the tear gas experiment thing. I was like, oh, oh yeah. that's intense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would have killed that one, Libby, as I sort of said, right, 40 <laughs> years of living in the chlorine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> We've been desensitised, haven't we? <laughs> Ready to go, right? Prepared us for the pepper spray and the tear gas. <laughs> it's very true. Very, very yeah. true. But, no, it was great. Like, I, honestly, like, I, I I, absolutely loved it. And after, I think after being locked up in Singapore for the 18 months that I was here because of COVID, that opportunity to come back to Australia mm. and just, th- that's the one thing I missed. That's the, yeah. that's oh, apart from my girls, yeah. um, the one thing I missed, you realise how, you forget how beautiful our country is mm. and how much space you have, right? I think that's the other part that people don't realise as well is, is I mean, Singapore's a beautiful spot, 
but it's only 45 kilometers east to west and 35 north to south. So you can ride your push bike around the island yeah. in, you know, at a slow pace in like five hours. Um, but the other part that people don't forget is that it's just hot here, yeah. right? And it is, it, it, it's it, the forecast for the next 20 years is just you wake up every day, it's just going to be hot with a chance of a storm, <laughs> yes. right? You know, at some stage of the day, it's going to storm, right? And you know, it's going to be very hot. Yeah. And so, this is the challenge. And this is what tests you is that because every day has been Groundhog Day, mm. right? It's just been so repetitive for the yeah. 18 months. And it's not until you catch up with people and you go, oh, so good to see you. I can't believe it was last week, but you actually realize that it was like three months ago or four mm. months ago. Um, and that's that's the other part that was sort of you know wearing everyone down. Um, yeah, is uh, you know leaving the island was never an issue. Not, not that anyone had anywhere to go to because mm. Australia shut its borders. Yeah, but it's it was, true. It, yeah, it was getting back into the island that that was the challenge for everyone um, mm. from a visa point of view. And then and that and that then was the difference between you know working, having leases on your properties, doing all that sort of stuff. You know, all of those little bits and pieces. Mm. Um, so yeah, getting out of the country was never an issue. Mm. Uh, it was can you come back into work again? And yeah. that. Um, yeah, that, that's where a lot of the Australians really, uh, in my experience, came together quite well and that expat community was quite amazing. It was very, very good. Because for people who don't know, because I want to talk about your, your family and your girls in a little bit and, and parenthood, which we've already started to talk yeah. about beforehand, but what, what, do you, <laughs> what do you do now? Like what, how do you describe why you're in Singapore, you know, your, your business and, and your work? Yeah. Um, what do I do now? I am very lucky. I was able to build a world around everything we got exposed to in swimming and sport. So I do fitness um, and I run like coaching programs. So I've got to learn to swim business. Um, in and then Singapore I've got a, or in, in Singapore. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, in Singapore. And then I also do events and I do tours. So basically I... Yeah, so I take a bunch of people around the world and give them the Aussie swim team experience where we go to all of the places that you and I have been to on training camps um, and usually are tied onto the back of an event. And then, um, you know, you bring in other Olympians, sports science and all that sort of stuff and give people exposure to that world that we've got exposed to. And, uh, yeah, and I, I do that sort of stuff. So, how, Like how um, did you come up with that? Like when you've decided to, to hang up your togs... I mean, because I mean, there's so much I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, you know, there's retirements, there's comebacks. <laughs> like, I think I ever hung them up. You're like, well, did I ever hang them up? <laughs> um, you know, like, how did you come up when you decided to hang up for the second time? What was it? 2011? 2012. 2012. 2012. That's yeah. right. When you finished in 2012, did you go, okay? this is the business that I'm going to create, this is what I want to do, I know exactly my path, or did you have to kind of navigate, try different things, work with different people yeah. to understand this is actually where I want to go? So I um, was lucky when I retired the second time around. I knew that I had to make sure I transitioned into something. Um, mm. I was very lucky. The Commonwealth Bank was one of my sponsors, so they – gave me an opportunity to go internal and I did a like an executive manager's grad oh, program, wow. program, which is pretty good. And what I loved about it in particular is I got exposure to a lot of other businesses. So, you know, as an, as an athlete, I think that was, that's one of the hard things is 
you know, we spend so much time in the pool. It's not understanding, like I love the business world um, and just, but I just didn't have as much experience as I wanted. So, mm. you know, the bank. Because we don't have time. No, you don't have time. That's exactly right. So I had an opportunity and I went working uh, within the bank, which was great. I saw I had exposure to a lot of different businesses as well, so I could understand how people did things, the way they looked at it, the systems and processes, et cetera. Did that for a little bit. And then after that, um, you know, did a little bit of media work and that sort of stuff as well. Did that, so with the Commonwealth Bank role, did, did that feel right or did you go, it just kind of came to a natural close? Um, a mixture of both. A mixture of both. Like I really loved it and I really enjoyed it. I'm just not a person that can sit at a desk all day. Yeah, totally. I feel you in my soul. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. just, that's just my genetic makeup. And look, and it's, I, I mean, I love, I, I love the people I work with. It was really, really good and it was really great. Um, I did it, but it just didn't that fit. transition. Yeah, the transition um, into it. And who knows? Like maybe it might have been different if I was in different areas or if I worked at a different bank because every business has a different culture mm. about it, um, whether it, I might have been in investment banking or something else like that. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, it was one of those things I sort of learned and sat down and went, okay, well, this is, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? So that was pretty good. And then I actually started my own businesses um, again, you know, so I wanted to build a whole world around, as an athlete, you know, performance and recovery because mm. – that's just the main things that we That's always we did. did, right? Yeah. How well you perform, or sorry, how well you recover today to help you perform again the next day, right? So I, I it was around the same time too that um, a lot of Australian brands were being sold on the international marketplace. So I did a bit of work for Swiss. So I, I you know, I, I wanted to fall into the vitamins and supplements and protein powders and that sort of line. So I basically got into production and learn all about that. And then the other part as well was I actually started a compression apparel business, right? Because all we ever did was lived in skins and 2XU, right? So, <laughs> yes. And that exactly. fell into that performance and recovery aspect. So the three, three parts I had was vitamins and supplements, uh, compression garments, and then the third one was I de- developed a range of corporate performance and wellbeing programs and this was the, the first thing that I sort of thought about because uh, in our first career or in the first career when I walked away from sport, you have all of this IP and all this knowledge because we've been exposed to so many great coaches and mm. psychologists and exercise physiologists. And, um, you know, while I was in the bank, there was an opportunity to develop and work on a health and wellbeing program for all of its employees so basically, I bought in a bunch of wearable technologies and the things that we used to wear in sport and we were exposed to, and then ran a whole range of workshops and developed all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then, um, yeah, just spent some time internal, just rolling out and doing all that sort of stuff. So I had a lot of things on the go, which was really nice. It was good. I think the with the manufacturing side, one of the things you or I underestimated was the lead time from yeah. cradle to completion, right? So, you know. But you don't know that until life. you do it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Absolutely. And how expensive it is as mm. well. <laughs> That's probably a big thing. And, yeah, and then so I did that for a while. And then um, and then basically 
obviously I hit some hurdles in about 2014. Oh, look, we can go into it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on where you want to go with it. But, yeah, yeah, like life is hard, man. Oh, it's hard. And I think, and to to be honest about it, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, as soon as all of the drama happened, Mm. the challenges were is that all of a sudden I went from living a proactive life so I was like, this is where I'm going, this is what I'm doing, these are the things mm. we need to do to all of a sudden being reactive, yeah. right? And that, and that was a big lesson, like, and, and that literally happened overnight. Yeah. It, was, it was literally in the blink of an eye, it just had to be reactive, right? Damage control here, how do we deal with this? Making sure my girls were safe, making sure the yeah. family was okay. And then from there, it was just sitting down and just sort of just going through the process on a day-by-day basis, right? And and that's... Because what were, what were you doing, like, as a job at that stage when, when all of that sort of went down? And for those who are listening who didn't know, you got arrested at Randwick Races, was it? Yeah. 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for possession. For, for some <laughs> possession of some cocaine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Does it feel hard to like talk about it or do you, are you kind of at a point now that you're like, I mean, this is just, this is where I'm at. Like. It's, it's who I am, right? Yeah. Oh, it's part of my life. I mean, it was, and it was eight years ago. That's yeah. the other part as well. Isn't that crazy? Right. So, you know, I mean, if, if I haven't learned to move on from now, I, I never will. But. This is exactly It's right. not one of those things that. Yeah, it's not, it's not one of those things that defines me, but it was one of those moments in life that changed my life. Yeah, um, right. You know, in some parts for the good, a lot of it for the good, you know, but when you're going through that journey at that particular point in time, I mean, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemies. I, um, it, there's something about a situation like that that is just so, uh, it like, I, I really feel, felt for you at that time because I'm like the amount of people who do that and I'm not condoning taking drugs by any stretch <coughs> of the imagination but the amount of people who have done that and gotten away with it and or have been arrested <coughs> and have been in that exact same situation as you but don't get the you know headlines front page headlines that you oh, experience global news, global news. <laughs> you're like you're, global I went global <laughs> yeah which is that, that was something that surprised me but uh no, I think, and, and you're spot on there. That's that's the other part as well is that, you Did know, Did you feel resentful actually, about that? Like that you could- uh, No, because it, it, it just, it's part of the territory when you're a public figure. I think that that's just part of the territory. I, I don't, I, I didn't feel resentful for it. I, I, th- I think that the challenge though is, I mean, it's, it's part of life, right? Like, and I say the challenge is that if it was any other person, you could take half a day off work and you wouldn't even have to tell your parents or your work colleagues or mm. whatever. You'd rock up to court, you'd, do, you'd go through the whole process and then you'd move on. No one would even know about it. But I think I think the other part as well, the other part that's the the, the challenge is, see, I, I don't have any agents or representation. I didn't have a manager. Yeah, right. So you understand how the system can just be right. Well, you've run your story over here. Pull it in over here, otherwise you won't get any interviews with the rest of our team or we won't do this or we'll boycott X, Y and Z. So there's the, you understand the system that's at play, which is fine. I mean, it just is It just is what it is, right? Like, um, you know, so it's not uh, like I don't, I don't, I'm not resentful or anything. I mean, I 
take ownership for my behaviour. I take ownership for the actions. Yeah. Um, as I said, I just never would wish that on anyone. That sort of outcome for anyone, right? Yeah. Like and, anyone anywhere. So. And obviously, the the strain that it put on on you and Sarah's relationship, and obviously <laughs> wanting to protect your girls and all of it, like it's a it's not just an isolated thing that impacts one part of your life, as you said, like, and it's something that you had to live through over that played out over weeks. Mm. And it was, and you're right. It was weeks because I think it was like about three weeks before we had to, from the day, then we had to front court, but a very, one of my very, 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 very good friends, he works in PR and, um, well, well, he does, he does, they basically do damage control. So he looks That's up. That's a good friend to have in a situation like that. You never yeah. want one. Well, <laughs> it's, 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 so they basically they look after politicians or your ASX top mm. 20 businesses. So the day after it happened, uh, the Sunday morning I went and saw him and said, hey, mate, I've got a bit of a challenge here. Got a thing. <laughs> and it was really good because he came over and we literally just wrote out the roadmap and it was like, right, 1A, 1A.1, 1A.2, wow. 1B. It goes this way, we do this. It goes this way, do we do this, right? And it was like, it, it was it, it was interesting because it was, you know, it was like, right, okay, make a statement now. You know, people are out the front of your house. You're, you're going to be locked in there for 24 hours. No one comes in, no one goes out. And once it dies off, then it's like the next phase is, right, it's time to make a statement. What words are you going to use? No, don't use that word. Use this word. Wow. Don't use that word. Do this. And then what's your exit strategy? Mm. And these are all the things like you never think of, right? Yeah, you, you wouldn't have exit. ever thought of that. Yeah, it's like why do I need an exit strategy? And it's because, well, once the cameras, once you say you piece to camera, then it was more you've got to make sure that someone picks you up so that you're not waiting you go, around. The camera, well, and again, the cameramen aren't asking you questions back and forth. Yeah. Right, so then the conversation keeps going and keeps going and keeps going, right? So it was all of these, and it's quite interesting. Like it was interesting, that whole damage control stuff. But then it was everything too, which, and this is the part that hurt the most, was I couldn't take my kids to daycare mm. or pick them up and take them to the park because it was the whole, if you're out with them, then you get papped, then yeah. they get sold to a magazine, then the story goes for another Keeps week. Keeps going and, and going then another and going. Week, and then yeah. another week. Yeah. So it was that the whole strategy behind it. That's the part that blew me away the most. It was mm. like, wow, like. But look, I mean, that's just that that's that's that. I mean, it's a as I said, it's in a it was it is just what it is. And you but know, when you you're in that it. moment, it must feel like it will never end on some level. Because you can't like I obviously you've had you had a plan. You had a process, but also there must be part of you that goes, oh, God, this just will never end. Um, I don't know if the part of you is, oh, this will never end, will, will be. Like how do I come back from this maybe? Yeah, no, I never, I never wanted to come back from it. It was mm. never, I've, I've never been like, oh, how do I come back from any of this sort of stuff? You know, if, if anything, I've, I've, I've become even more introverted. Okay. Um, introverted and more private with my life, mm. except obviously for going on SAS. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You but, can, you could be targeted with those things. Yeah. But but that being said, it you know, like I I um you know I've done nothing. I've just laid low for four years and and that's probably it's not one of the main reasons I went away. It was one of the main things that I really look forward to working overseas mm. is that you just 
you just get on with it, mm. right? It's, it, well, sorry, I rephrase that. It's a lot easier to get on with it because it's, you know, it's as, as great as it is to be recognised in Australia and, and to get some really good recognition. It, it, a lot of people have, have short memories or, or and long memories, mm. right, and they'll always remember or pull these things up. And, and I just found it really hard to just sort of, I mean, I could get on with it. Mm. That was that's one of the things that you learn in sport is that you just learn to just accept it. You compartmentalize, it right? On. You just have to be yeah, like, you just, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, boom. You know, and that's that's one of the things that that you learn really, really well. I think, um, yeah, it's the challenge that you don't realize how much it affects like your immediate family and those people mm. that are uh, supporting you and have supported you. Um, and then their friends and their circles and their circles, they're the ones that really, it it starts to affect them too because, right, that's where you realise, right, that other people just can't get on with it, right? And everyone's just different, you know? I mean, everyone's everyone's different. It's, uh, yeah, and you forget, right? Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, what you and I have been exposed to on the elite professional athlete scene, most people don't even get a glimpse of that sort of stuff. Mm. So, you know, but we were exposed to it for uh, internationally for 10 or 15 years. So it's just growing with you. Like, you know, the way you, as we said, compartmentalise things, you assess things, you look at it, you get over things. You, that's the sort of stuff that, um, you know, it's, it's, that's a, it's an amazing skill to be exposed to. It's, I think that that's when I went into SAS, that's one of the things that I, going into SAS, I didn't really feel like that level of like focus and commitment since I was a professional athlete. Yeah, I miss that. <laughs> yeah, you just you had to be on, right? You just you just had to be on. You know, but that being said as well, it was um yeah, that whole journey, I think it was just a, a period in my life that I'm just so glad that, you know, we just it's it's time to we moved on from it. And mm. you know, everyone just sort of it's it, it, it just it just is it just was what it was, right? Mm. So yeah. going back to swimming now. Yeah. Cause I <laughs> this is really lame. And I already I've said this to Clemmy as well. But you and Clemmy were both on my wall as a fifteen year old watching you at the 2000 Olympics, you guys. I think you told me this. <laughs> yeah, I think I did too. But, like, <clears throat> it was a picture of you. It was just like your face and it was a butterfly. There was a butterfly on your forehead. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that, I know photo? that photo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I know the photographer took it too. He's a good mate of mine. Yeah. Oh, well, tell yeah. him he did a great job. You were on my wall for a long time because, you know, obviously you were doing the stroke that I loved doing what I loved at the highest level. What made you get into swimming to start with? Where did that love come from? Um, so I, I, I grew up in North Queensland, so the climate is a bit like it is here in Singapore, uh, just hot. And, um, look, I love I, I loved the competitive side of things. I loved, um, I loved swimming and I loved racing. So I came through the ranks like most kids that are out there or parents that are, are listening to your podcast, Libby. So I, was, I, I did learn to swim when I was about four or five years old and then moved into stroke development and then um, joined a local club and then came through the ranks, did all your local little club night meets and then, you know, regional sort of meets. And then basically from there, we then moved into uh, state championships and did that. And then the stepping stones into nationals and international 
uh, sort of swimming. So that was like the, the short version of why I got into it. Butterfly, why do I do butterfly? I think, you know, it's, it's, it was, whilst it was one of the hardest strokes, um, as you know, Libs, if, if you get that rhythm and that timing right, it'll be the most easiest stroke you it's, do, yeah. in my personal opinion. No, I totally um, agree. <laughs> freestyle, your arms just go way too fast and it's, there's no... <laughs> <laughs> There's no grace about it, right? Like, hey, there's some grace. There can be some oh, grace. I'll know. defend There's no freestyle. Grace freestyle. <laughs> There's no Just grace in thrash. breaststroke. Let's be. Let's. We can agree oh. about breaststroke, right? <laughs> oh, no. That's just that's unfortunate. That's <laughs> <laughs> look, I mean, and to be fair to breaststrokers, look, and this is what I've always and I say it to parents all the time of kids I coach. Breaststrokers are born. You can't make someone a breaststroke. That's what I say. I'm like, breaststroke, yeah. you don't choose breaststroke. Breaststroke chooses yeah. you. Just cut, you can't do it. Cut your losses. Don't don't be upset. Just cut your losses. Just right? try something and, else. There's three other yeah, strokes. Yeah, and you've got three other things to choose from. <laughs> yes, so that's exactly. great. You know. <laughs> so funny. But so, like, did you always have, like, a talent for swimming or did you kind of go through a period of time? I, where you... Talent and passion. Yeah, okay. Passion for talent's one thing. I, I, I think passion is the most important aspect to it. Yeah, like I, I, I loved it. I loved the racing. I loved my teammates. I loved being in the water. I loved that sense of freedom. Did I have a talent for it? I was pretty lucky. I was blessed with ability. Um, so what know, I so always I, say about you and Jody, Jody Henry, <laughs> is that you guys just like, I mean, for lack of a better word, you shit talent. Like. It was uh, like so amazing to watch you swim mm. butterfly, and it was so amazing to watch her swim freestyle because the ease at which it looked like you were making your way through the water was just magic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was. It, it, it hurt. Still hurt. <laughs> yeah, I know. You didn't look <laughs> like it though. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It, it, it still hurt. It's it's funny. Um, my daughter swims now, Mila, and she's ten. And she absolutely, I mean, she loves it. She she loves swimming. She loves racing. Um, she's an animal. Like, she's a machine, Is you know. She? And it's, she's, I mean, she's 10, so... In ten years' time, is she's already pinpointed right? I want Brisbane twenty thirty two, yeah. And I was just when I watch her, um, when I watch her swim, and and you know that I, I got to spend a few months in Tassie uh, after shooting SAS. <laughs> It's just it's 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 such a real joy and real pleasure to watch. Mm. Um, the hard part though is that, like obviously, I, I, you help coach her and you help do little bits and pieces. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting to watch her go through that journey as well. Now, do you um, worry about being like a pushy swimming parent? <laughs> That's what I would worry. No, about. no, no, no. I'm, I'm never. It's, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm far from the pushy swimming parent lips. I think, um, and this is this is a funny story, right? So. I remember when Mila was, she was just before her sixth birthday. So Mila's, uh, Mila and Gigi, they're two years apart. So Mila's six, Gigi's four. And uh, Mila had just, like, she'd finished kindergarten or first year of school or something like that, right? And um, they went around to one of their friends' places for a pool party. And because uh, one of Mila's school friends was having a birthday party, a big pool party, there's like 20 kids in the pool. And, you know, the parents were all standing around having a few drinks and stuff. And, having a bit of a laugh. And then when it came time to get in the pool, I was like, oh, look, I'll, I'll go down and I'll watch everyone, you know. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll just put my hand up and go, I'll do it, you know. And they're all sitting around going, what, what do you mean you'll do it, right? And, and I was like, well, 
lo and behold, of the 20 kids that were in the pool, the only two kids that couldn't swim were the Olympic medalist kids, right? (laughs) 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 You know, so... (laughs) I was. I, I never wanted to push them. I yeah. never wanted to push them. So Interesting. It's a, you know, I mean, Miller didn't start swimming. I mean, because and my philosophy was, my philosophy was, well, if you know, if this is a pathway or a path that you want to go down, you're going to have a lot of time in the pool. But, you know, every time if, if I was at the pool, I'd always be swimming with them and mucking around with them. If I was at the beach, I'd always be mucking around with them. So I wanted them to just have fun in the water. It's the love of it, right? Yeah, you gotta love it. You gotta love being in the water. That's that's the thing because you're gonna spend a lot of time in it if you want to do it professionally. And then the only things I've I've ever the other things I've, I've ever said to them is that look, if you if you love swimming and swimming is a pathway or something that that you want to do, then then go for it, right? Like if you never have to take it to the levels that I got to, but if swimming is an enabler, which I tell people it is, if and swimming is an enabler to get to a scholarship at a American, Australian, or a yeah. UK university, then that's just another angle in, right? Because as as you know, and oh, you would have been exposed to, and I, I, I certainly don't. Like once you're at that elite level, and if you gauge your interest in university, then all of the elite universities will give you scholarships, right? Whether mm. it's Stanford, Cal Berkeley, USC, Florida. Uh, Auburn, like all of them, they will. Yeah. You will have a, an opportunity to pick and choose, and that. And if swimming is an enabler to do that, then then by all means, that's what I encourage my my kids, and not just my kids. I encourage all kids to do right because you know to to take it to the level that you and I took it to. I mean, you've got to be you got to be a different cat. Right? <laughs> you got to be a little <laughs> bit crazy. Let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> And that's the fun part about it, right? Like it's a it's it's an amazing life, but not everyone gets to do it, as we both know. You know, you're talking about tenths and hundreds of a second that mm. determine the dif- distance. Oh, sorry, the difference between first and third, or ninth, mm. eighth and ninth, or sixteenth and seventeenth. Mm. Right, and and that's the part. Like in the in the blink of an eye, your world can change, and sometimes you you race really well, and other times you don't. But um, you know, as 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 I always try and say to kids, right, like. You've got to have an earn or learn mentality because if you're not earning a dollar, then through swimming or while you're swimming, then you've got to be continuing your education. And if sport is that helps you bridge that gap to transition into that next phase afterwards, then um, by all means, go for it. Right? That's that's it. It's such a good perspective. I I actually, on some level, obviously, I wouldn't change any of my swimming career, but there's part of me that wishes that I could have gone over and had a scholarship over at an um, American university because, yeah. like, you, you get to race all the time and you get a degree. Like, what, what an amazing combination of life. Like, and, yeah, and experience yeah. life. And experience, I think that's the other part as well. It's, a, it's just a different experience altogether. Um, I mean, my journey was a little bit different. You know, my father passed away when I was young and I ended up living with my swimming coach. So, and then about 12 months after that, Sydney won the bid for the Olympics. And, mm. you know, I was I was very lucky. And, and you know, it's I was very lucky because I was brought up in an environment where success bred success, mm. um, you know, and that being that I might have been the, uh, the youngest kid in that senior squad and been at the back of the line, but... I was chasing people and in lanes next to people that were already swimming at um, Olympics, Commonwealth Games, World Championships. So that pathway from Brisbane Regional Beats 
meets to state championships mm. to nationals to international meets was just a stepping stone along the way. Um, you know, I just I just had to have faith in the system and be able to back myself and push myself. And it's funny though, and like, that's it. It's it's a pretty incredible perspective to have because I don't think a lot of people would go losing a father at the age of eleven that you can con- then consider yourself lucky with the pathway that then came from that experience. Yeah. Like how do you, how did you come to that? Like how do you put that in yeah. perspective? Because that, that's pretty massive stuff. Yeah, I, it took me a long time to realise that, uh, Lips. I think, um, you know, and, and, and but I think the other part as well after going through that journey is that, you know, I'm a big believer that things happen in life for a reason mm. and, um, you know, you've just got to find what that reason is. And, you know, it takes time for a lot of people to, do some self-reflection and and I think that's been a big part of where I am today to be able to deal with things like the arrest or mm. deal with things like, um, you know, my father passing away is because I've been on that journey for, for quite some time. And, you know, it's, that's, that's part of sport, right? Like the debrief, reflect what works, what didn't work, what can you do better? And then just realising that just things are just, just as they are. It's just, it's, it, it's, and not you know, holding on to it. Yeah, exactly right. Just being able to to accept it and then just move on. I mean, that's that's a hard part. You, you know, I think it's it's a skill that that it does take time. I mean, sometimes you're able to just deal with the things really, really quick. Other times, I, I still feel that I hold on to a lot of things. Mm. Um, I, I laugh about it, and, and I'm happy to laugh about it. We, we chatted about it. Like I'm, an, I, I've realised that I'm an emotional eater and drinker. Mm. Right when I have. When I feel really happy, I'm happy to have a beer. <laughs> like, have a beer. When <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel really shit, I, I have a beer as well, mm. right? And and some parts of that's really, really good. Other parts is not that good. Yeah. Um, you know, but I don't think it's it's really until, so I'm in, what am I now, Libby? I'm 43. Mm. So I, I don't really think it's been until just a young, I got to my. Just a young buck still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I think, but I think it's, it's, I think for guys, it's not till you get into your 40s that you actually start to reflect and you have a look at, mm. you know, your, your whole life and you just have to be honest with where things are at and what you've done. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know whether, because life, it's it just everything that you sort of plan for or hope for, sometimes it works out and other times it doesn't. And, and that's been a big thing. I mean, I, you know, I, I never got married to end up getting divorced. Mm. Uh, I never ever thought that I'd live over in Asia, or I'd never, I never ever thought I'd get arrested. I'd never thought, you know, that 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 obviously my father would pass away the, the age that he did. You know, it's made me really reflect on a lot of a lot of things in my life, like where, where am I at, and, and especially now that I've got, you know, I've got Mila, who's a, a real gun swimmer, and Gigi. I mean, Gigi's just a cruiser, she's yeah. an absolute cruiser. She's funny. She's funny. <laughs> Second bronze <laughs> man. <laughs> and uh, and then I've got a, a, a little boy now with my new partner. Yeah. Um, you know, if I if I didn't come to Singapore, I wouldn't have met Roxy. Mm. Um, you know, so I sort of look at it right. If I if I didn't get arrested at the races, then it, it wouldn't have made me reassess my relationship, or, mm. or most importantly, reassess where I'm at and why I'm so unhappy in my life. Um, and, and get forced me to deal with a lot of the issues that I had to deal with. And then, you know, I wouldn't have come to Singapore and I wouldn't have met Roxy and I wouldn't have had my little boy. Yeah. So, um, But again, yeah, that's an amazing perspective to have because I don't think a lot of people take that time to kind of reflect on not just the good things that happen in their life, 
but the bad things yeah. that happen, right? And also, too, I think, like, to be realistic, Libby, when you watch your old man pass away in front of you in the blink of an eye mm. and life gets taken away from you in the blink of an eye, you, you sort of realise how beautiful and how fragile life is. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's one of the most important things. And that's, that's, that's the way I've really sort of, a, 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 you know, looked at everything. You said, you know, life is, life is beautiful. I mean, mm. as challenging and as hard as things that we're all going through, in particular at this point of time, whether it's, uh, whether it's people in Queensland with the floods or, um, you know, we're all dealing with COVID, um, you know, we, we have to really find the beauty in the things that we have and that being our, our family, ourselves, our situation, you know, because there's a, there are a hell of a lot of other people that can be doing it worse, mm. um, you know, and that's, that's just that's always just been my mindset and the way I've always looked at it. Do you do anything active to kind of create that mindset? Like do you sit down and journal or do you meditate or is exercise your form of like meditation? Like what do you, do you actually <coughs> go, I'm going to sit down and go, I'm grateful for this? Um, I still swim a lot. I swim quite a lot actually, like five times a week, six times a week. That's so cool. um, I'll, I'll, only, I'll, I'll only swim like 2K. 1500 or 2k i swim with clients um or i swim by myself sorry did you hear that thunder there yeah <laughs> the, the storms are rolling in <laughs> yeah exactly you know like in 2:45 in the afternoon we're about to get our storm but uh yeah like I, I i i uh i still swim a lot um and i'm in my head i get to think a little bit which is good but i've only actually started getting into like manifesting and, and meditating I mean, I'm, I'm starting to explore it. You know, I think that's that's something that, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just, I love it so much because it's exactly what we did when we were swimming. We just labeling I it know. different. Like it's just visualization. It's just goal yeah. setting. It's just intention setting, which is what we did as athletes. I, I think the hardest part that I find with it at the moment is I've got to reflect on it like at least probably, and this is something I've learned as well, at least two or three times a day because I don't know whether I've got self-diagnosed ADHD or whatever it is, but (laughs) my concentration span, obviously. And life life just distracts you. Yeah. Right. you got kids, man. you got a business. Shit gets crazy. Yeah, and and life just it does get distracting, and it's mm-hmm. and it's easy, and, and this is and this is why I've sort of learned when I sort of bought in being an emotional eater, and and I've learned this, and I learned this many years ago. Humans are creatures of habit, right? In the time of stress, people will turn to creature comforts. Some people it's food, some people it's gambling, it's recreational, it's shopping, it's medicinal, mm-hmm. um, you know, or it's it's whatever it is. And everyone has their own vice. I think that the biggest challenge though for people is making sure you don't make poor choices in those stressful periods because if those poor choices are enabling more poor choices, then that's when you need to sit down and reassess the scenario or the situation that you're in. Do you feel like that is because it it was a pretty well-documented – I mean, it was an incredible comeback. You were like the original comeback kid back in 2010. Uh, Thank (laughs) Um, you. Like, it was fun training with you too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for people who don't know, we trained together for it. Was it two about two yeah. years? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Like the like just coming back anyway. I I can tell everybody it, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard work. It's, it's fucking hard. hard. But you also during your time off put on was it like forty kilos? Yeah, fifty. Fifty kilos. Okay. Oh. 
I shed 45. You shed 45. <laughs> like how like, as, you do. as you do. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, getting back into it, becoming an elite athlete again. Like, do you feel like that you kind of just got into that habit of creature comfort, eating, drinking? And what was the turning point for you that you went? Like, was was swimming the kind of catalyst to get you out of that mindset? Um I, I got into it because I didn't deal with my father's death and, like, yeah. childhood trauma, a whole range of things, pretty easy. I think once you're swimming, Can I just interrupt you? One, like, I think that's so amazing that you can see that because a lot of people don't deal with traumas from their past, right? And then it manifests oh, itself man. in a thousand different ways, as we've already discussed. But, like, the fact that you can reflect on that and see that is amazing. And, and I think, Libby, like I've only really reflected on my childhood trauma probably over the last three or four months after wow. having Rafe. Like, and I think it's, um, you know, and I talk to my brother a lot about this as well. Um, so my parents split up when I was about well, six or seven. Um, my mum is Thai. Uh, my dad was Australian. So having, having like a Thai mother in rural Queensland in the 80s was just unheard it's of. not multicultural, yeah. right? It, it, and it's one of those things I didn't sort of realise until you get a bit older, right? Like it's, mm. you know, my mum just, bless her, love her, number one fan, amazing support, but just did things differently. Yeah. You know, it was just it was just different, yeah. you know. Different and, culture, and, different experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then learning and realising that, the challenges that she probably was going through at that particular point in time as well yeah. in the 80s. I and mean, like, you know, it was, it was, that's a, yeah, so it was the 80s, but, you know, having left her family, her environment of Thailand, setting up. My dad was a FIFO uh, minor, uh, so fly in, fly out. So, you know, not only were we just living a different culture and different lifestyles, it was, it was just different, right? Mm. Everything was just different. And, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I really didn't sort of realize just just how different things were um, until I was talking to my brother about it not so long ago, and then just learning to deal with it. I, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing um, is 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 you know. And, and as I said, it's it's not until probably I think for men until you get into your forties, mm. and you do you start to you reassess your life, right? Like, is this what I wanted? Is this where I was going? You know, my children now are either growing up or or I'm fortunate to, to have more children again. And, you know, you do, you second guess everything. It's, it's a part of life. And I sort of realised it because also too, I, I mean, my father passed away of a heart attack at 55. I was going to ask how old he was when he passed away. Yeah, I'm, I'm 43. So mm. that really sort of means I've, I could potentially only have less than 12 years left on mm. this earth. And, and the reason I sort of, we discussed it with my brother is, is because it was the same uh, Warnie, Shane Warren passed away of on course. my birthday. Oh, on your yeah. birthday. Jeez. Yeah, so it was on my birthday, which was like, oh, okay, this is a spin out, right? Mm. So uh, pun the pun. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a real eye-opener, right? Like, but, um, and yeah, also, Miller you know. is 10 and you were 11 when your dad passed away. Like, can yeah, you, that's exactly right. Can you imagine <laughs> leaving this earth and then, yeah, having yeah, her exactly. navigate the same I mean, things it, that you had to deal with? Hard, hard enough being in another country, yeah. right? Like being, you know, like that's that's one thing. Um, but but obviously, um, 
yeah, to, to not be, to not have them around. I mean, they're, they're, they're all those little things. But, um, yeah, I guess I guess I learned, I guess sort of digressing a bit, you learn over over time of there, there are certain ways, many ways that you can look at different things, right? It just, I mean, there, there's, you know, that's what I said, things happen in life for a reason and, you know, sometimes you don't need to know what the reason is straight away. It takes time to actually learn it. And you've got to go through those hard times, whether it's getting arrested and mm. go through the hard times of making a comeback or doing all that sort of stuff to actually appreciate and realise why it is that you're on the journey that you're going on. And sometimes learning the lesson again and again. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I should know this lesson by now, but yeah. here I am again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, ah, fuck, is that life just biting me on the arse <laughs> again? Shit. Yeah, um, what, like, so all of that experience, was that kind of what led you to, to your comeback? Because it was like the most remarkable thing to observe and, and be part of in a very small way. No, when I when I made the call to come back, it was because I knew that when I left the sport, I I didn't leave on the terms that I wanted to leave on, and I knew that I was better than how I was behaving, mm. and that was probably a big thing. Um, what? What? How do you describe that behaviour when you first left the sport? Um, basically, the best way to sum it up, Libby, is, is in two thousand and four, uh, two thousand and four Olympics. I was a participant. I wasn't a competitor. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You were just, I was just kind happy of there. to be on the team. Yeah, 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 exactly. Whereas in two thousand, like we had a job. Mm. You know, like your your mindset in two thousand and four and two thousand eight, you had a job, mm. and that's what you're there to do. And you're going to tear them apart, and you're just going to do it. Yeah, so when I when I you know I was I was because of the challenges I it was hard enough to get me behind the blocks in two thousand and three two thousand and four. It, it's funny, and <laughs> I mean here's another lesson in things happen in life for a reason, right? I mean the sport went through some massive changes in two thousand and two. Yeah, uh, well, after two thousand and one. So our head coach Don obviously he'd left. He, he got dropped from yep. being the head coach. And then the sport went in a different direction. So when everyone used to come together and be as one team, everyone then just separated and started doing their own bits and pieces. There was yeah. a lot of internal fighting. Uh, a lot of coaches were all wanted that top spot. So there was a lot of backstabbing going on. And it, it just really sort of segregated the team. And, you know, for me, I there were two coaches. I, I, I knew it was time to do something a little bit different with Ken. I'd, I'd been with Ken for almost well, 10 years, mm. 10 years at that stage, 11 years. Chasing the same black line and yeah. the same swimming pool, I knew I, I I was going stale mentally. And the two coaches that I wanted to go and swim with, uh, one of them lived in Perth. That was Grant Stolwinder, and the other one, uh, Jim Fowley, uh, took a head coach role in Canada. <laughs> You're like, so, come on, man! <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, you, you know what? And, and it's not that I. I I just didn't want to go and live in Perth because mm. um, a lot of my work was on the east coast. A little bit of fear as well. I think yeah. fear within myself, like lack of lack of confidence within myself. And I just knew that if I stayed in Ken's program, all right, that I would still be able to be fit enough and strong enough to at least get on the team in Athens in 2004. So, um, you know, my concentration and my focus was just elsewhere. You know um, what's so interesting? <laughs> I knew you. And this is a judgment because you don't know what's going on in other people's lives. It's like I was like, Skippy is a bludger. He doesn't turn up to training. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, do X, Y, and Z. You're coasting. I, I cut every corner. 
possible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, but that's how I knew I you. I'm like, oh, it. God, he's so annoying because he's so talented and, you know, yeah. but he just bludges all the time. And I'm like. And, and I look back at it and I'm disgusted at my behaviour. Yeah, like I'm embarrassed. I, I'm embarrassed. I really found uh, like I, I, I'm embarrassed that I took advantage of the situation. I don't know if I took advantage of this. Like, you still had to put the work in. You had to put enough work in, yeah. Yeah, but I had that much base behind me. Yes. um, And underneath me and and that being the the amount of training that I did and and got to, it was once. And this is, it was funny because it was when I made my comeback, you know, I had a a good chat with Stolly as well. Because I, I used to get frustrated, right? Sitting on the side of the pool, I'd just get frustrated because I'd be like, man, I used to do this so easy. I'd be able to swim this so <laughs> yeah, easy and I why can't I do this, right? <laughs> and, and he made a good point. He said, what you've got to remember is that it took 10 years to get to this level yeah. or eight years to get to this level. Once you get to the level, it's easy to maintain, maintain. that level. Mm. Right, and he, he said, you, "You still, you've got to go back to to that time." And you know, I get goosebumps when I think about it. He goes, "You've got to go back to that time. You've got to just be be patient with it. You've got to be kind to yourself. You've got to forgive all of the things you've done in the past." And yeah, and and there, you know, I remember having those conversations with them. But yeah, in two thousand and four, you know, that's that's the thing. I sort of I, I I reflect back on and I look at it, and it's a it's a period of my life there. I didn't realise how tough things were mm. and when I look back at it, I can see why things just exploded when I got out of the pool, right? So, you know, just ate, drank, stayed up till 4am, mm. you know, just got involved with the wrong people, just doing the wrong things and not having a care in the world as well. I think that's probably the other thing as well. I think um, is how do you find something that you have the same passion for um, in life after? That's that's the other challenge as well, as well right? Because yeah, it's, you know, the passion I had was flogging myself and just absolutely hurting myself, mm. but I can't, you can't do that in the real world. Gosh, that must <laughs> be frustrating. Well, it's not sustainable. No, it's not sustainable and it's not real it's not life. Like like being an athlete, it's a very specific type of thing for a very specific time in your life. But it, yeah. it, I, did you feel that judgment from people at that time? Because I, I, I didn't know you other than being on my wall in my bedroom, I didn't know you personally during that period of time where you were obviously working really hard, you're a world record holder, you know, Olympic medalist. I didn't know you during that time. I knew you during the time that all I saw was Skippy not turning up to training. and Post-2001. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like did that – did you feel that judgment from people or like – did you know um, that that was the case? Little yeah. bits, li- little bits. You feel it. People won't say it. No, you definitely feel it. No, and I've got to a point where it's... I'm just saying shit now. So yeah, <laughs> apologies yeah. No, no, if no, it's no, uncomfortable. <laughs> I think it's because of your, I mean, you just summed it up exactly the same thing. I mean, people's expectations of you and who you are and what you've done is totally different to where, where you are at psychologically, maybe yeah. physically and psychologically at that particular point in time. Um, it doesn't define you or make you who you are as a person, but it, it's part of the challenges of of where you're at. Like because it's that's the other thing that a lot of people don't realise. I mean, you've got your head in a bucket for four hours a day, six days a week, and with swimming, you really only had two major competitions a year, and that was the 
the major competition in September, August of September, and the other one was selection trials mm. that you had to be ready for. I mean, you did a little bit of other racing here and there, but that tra- that challenge of of being at like at peak mental fitness that that whole long it's it, it does it's not sustainable year after year mm-hmm. after year after year. And I think, and this is what I learned in the first four year cycle just how much mental aptitude or, or mental application I had to put in to front up in Sydney 2000, I found it, I found it really hard to obviously continue that journey mm. again for four years later, especially when your whole world is swimming, yeah. right? And I think so I try and share to a lot of kids and parents as well is you'll go through phases where at some stage it's 90% or 80% swimming and 10 and 20% outside world. And then in your time off, you've got to transition to make it 30% swimming and 70% of your outside world. And learning to live in the grey was a big thing. Mm. Um, I think I even said that to you one day, right? It's just, mm. it's, it, it can't just be all black and white. You've got to learn to live in the grey because once you learn to live in the grey, it's easier to deal with a lot of the challenges and the setbacks that you have. Um, you know, you can you can analyse things and get over it, but you've also got to know when to switch it on to say, mm. right, it's time to be black yeah right it's time to just go mm. right and and i knew that like come 2003 2003 i think you know i was i was living in brisbane you know 2001 2002 i was living in like new farm mm. and just fluffing about right just like just just being a mr 70 percenter yeah um but i knew that if you know from the end of world to 2003 if i was going to make it to 2004 i had to get serious again so i packed up my house from because i trained at redcliffe right so when you're in the when you've got to be on pool deck at 4 30 in the morning it's a 40 minute drive i mean look that's a whole other conversation of why on earth ken started you guys so when when you're setting the alarm in the threes right like 350 something you know that like that's early right like 415 is early but when you're starting to set the alarm in threes you're going all right something has to change here so you know knowing that it was six months until the trials and 12 months of the olympics it was easy to relocate back to redcliffe um and i think i I rented an apartment that was on the same street as the pool Mm. so that i could sleep in as much as possible and that's literally go downstairs roll across and you're in the pool, right? Um, so yeah. So when it, when it was time to, to switch it on, I, I switched it on. But um, you know, the, the challenge was is, and I think this is the main thing, and this is where you learn is that it's just it's not sustainable, mm. right? I mean, you can be whether whatever it is that you do in life. I mean, you can flick the pendulum to like being this all being supreme individual that doesn't drink and doesn't smoke or doesn't eat rubbish or doesn't do whatever mm. but is it is that sort of lifestyle sustainable mm. uh that's that's a big piece, big big piece and you know i think that's that that's the big part that it took me a long time to realize and work out as well um you know that those sorts of lifestyles are just not it's not sustainable one of the most amazing things for me in your comeback was the fact that you won no offense i didn't not think <laughs> that you were gonna win but it was just one of those fairy tale stories right like yeah. You, you retired, you put on a, a, a bunch of weight, you shed most of it, and then you won. Like that is the stuff of movies and fairy tales. <laughs> and like was it as sweet as you expected or were you just like, okay, what's the next thing? Because I know normally the mindset is like what's the next goal? What is the next 
thing that I'm going to attack? Or did you have the yeah. perspective at that point to kind of really soak that in? Libby, that was for me. I honestly thought that would be the last 100 metres butterfly I would ever do in my life. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, that's, and that was the way I looked at it. So I don't know if you remember, so that, uh, that June, July, because honestly at trials I, I finished eighth in the 100 butterfly. Mm. Um, you know, doing a couple of swims under 53 seconds, was it was hard. Um, I really struggled. And then we just had this period there where things just, I don't know whether it was a mental shift or whatever it is, we went to like a race in Europe for, mm. for a couple of weeks, a month or so. Um, racing started to, to really, I started putting together some really good 100-metre butterfly races. And funny enough, you wouldn't believe it, lo and behold, it wasn't until we were in Switzerland and we were on pool deck and I was having a chat to Gennady Turetsky, mm. who was Michael Klim's old coach. And it was it was funny. Like I was sitting to with Gennady and we were talking and he actually he actually taught me how to swim a hundred meters. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck what? man, I've been doing this wrong for so long. I've been doing this long for so long. <laughs> Right, and I was like, "What?" And he just actually broke it down and made sense. It was like you got to remember, a hundred meter race is one in your last sixty-five meters. Your first thirty-five meters is about easy speed, easy efficiency. Right? You didn't about know that. Speed. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just forgot. <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> I just forgot, right? Like, Certainly wasn't how I raced him when I was with Ken. I can tell you that it was get was, out fast. Yeah, and I was going to say with Ken was it just <laughs> and that like was go it. for that it? Was a simple race plan. I was like, what? You mean there's a strategy behind this race? I was like, wow. <laughs> and then after that, like it was like the penny just dropped, mm. right? And I was going, man, you're telling me for 20 years I've been swimming this race wrong. And yeah, and then basically it was like, right, okay, there's an easier way to swim it, and. um and yeah, I just started putting this race together well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had a really good period. And then we rolled from there into Pan Packs, and they hadn't selected the Commonwealth Games team yet. And Pan Packs is, uh, for those people that are listening that don't know, Pan Packs is a meet where anyone can enter whatever race you want to do, but it's the fastest two Aussies or fastest two from that nation that go through to the final. Mm. And so I was like, in, I was like, oh, like talking to Stolly, I was going, I was doing all right. I was going like 52 highs or 52 sevens or whatever at uh, at like all of these European meets. And Stolly's like, oh, yeah, all right, well, let's just do the 100 fly because obviously they haven't picked the team yet. Have a crack. Yeah, we'll just have a crack. And so I went out in the heats. I went out in the heats and I think I was the first Aussie um, you know, and you had all these young guys <laughs> racing after me in the other two heats. And, like, so I was the first Aussie and I went out and, like, I ended up smashing, like, a 50. Like, I just thought, same thing. Well, this is it. Have a crack. Yeah. You know, deep, like, deep down I knew I wanted to swim the 100 fly at the Commonwealth Games. Mm. Um, but, obviously, I wasn't making that public to anyone. And I was like, right, all right, let's go. Let's have a crack. And I pumped out, like, a 52-1, which yeah. was, like, faster than all of the kids that swam at trials and everything else like that. And I can literally see the look on. And I mean, you've known. You, I mean, you've done enough swimming. You get it, right? If you're in that first seated heat, and you've got two seated heats after you, and then someone just cracks out a ripper of a time, you sit there and you just go, 
Fuck, that was fast, man. Like, I'm just going to bring my ego. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And if you're know, the one bringing it, you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm going to bring my ego now. So when, when I sort of got in and just cracked it out and I was just like, yeah, I'm happy with that. Like, that's pretty good. And you could literally see the look on everyone's faces just going, holy shit, where did that come oh, from? Oh, wow, okay. And it was, yeah, it was like, it was, it was actually a really nice feeling. It was a nice confidence booster. You know, so obviously I, I made it through to the final and, was the fastest Aussie, so I got to have that that opportunity to swim in the Commonwealth Games. And same sort of thing, though. I just kept downplaying the 100 fly. No, we're only going for the 50. We're only going for the 50. But deep down in the back of my mind, it was what I wanted to swim was mm. the 100. And, um, yeah, come that race day, it was, it was just I literally lined up behind the blocks and everything just worked a T. Everything from heats to semis through to the final, it's just all of those pieces of the puzzle just – it all just slotted together and it was, it was, it came out and, you know, I swam a time that was faster than the time that I did in Sydney Olympics, which was 10 years earlier. And then not only that, like it's, it's what I, what a lot of people don't realize is that when I had an opportunity to get back in and swim at the Commonwealth games, I, I had an opportunity to pick two coaches. And one of the things that we spoke about earlier, the two coaches I wanted to swim with Grant Stolwinder and Jim Fowley, right? I remember like hearing a story that Stolly uh, was relocating from Perth all the way to Sydney, mm. uh, where I was living at that point in time. I was like, oh, perfect. This is the coach I want to do a comeback with. And then I sat down with Stolly and uh, I remember sitting down and saying, hey, Stolly, I want to swim at the Olympics. And he looked at me and we both laughed. <laughs> uh, sorry, I said, I wanted to swim at the Commonwealth Games. And he looked at me and I was like, still like 115 kilos, right? He looked at me and, he got, and then we both laughed and I said, no, I'm serious. I want to. I want to make a comeback for real <laughs> and uh and he goes well look you know this is why i'd want to do it and this is what i'm doing this is my purpose of wanting to be here that's the most important thing and and that's what i've learned throughout the lesson is you've, you've got to have a purpose of doing it mm. right what's your purpose and you've got to be honest to yourself about what is the purpose of doing it and sat down and told him and he said look i'd love to have you part of the squad um but you have to speak to my boss and i said okay well who's that he said jim fowley and i was like oh <laughs> like the two, yeah, the two coaches I wanted to swim with, right? So, yeah, I've just had too many of those freaky moments, Libby, mm. where you sort of, and that's where I've sort of realised in life that things happen in life for a reason. Mm. Um, you know, and it's a moment like that where I didn't finish the sport how I wanted to finish it in the first part of my career. An opportunity for a comeback presented itself. It presented itself with coaches that I wanted to swim with and that I had a lot of respect for. And then, and then that was the, then everything sort of came together, mm. right? So it was, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's always been my belief, right? So once again, another reason why it's, you know, the system and or the way that life just learns to just work itself out. So the two questions that I really like to ask is what advice would you give to athletes who are thinking about retiring or, you know, are in the midst of just retiring? What would you say to Ash Barty right now? <laughs> Um, that's a, that's a, I mean, everyone's circumstance is different. Ash, first of all, I'd say congratulations. Right. She's amazing. Yeah. And look, you and I were in our mid twenties when we first retired the first time. Right. Because that's. So part of me is a little bit cynical because I'm like, "Mm, you're only 25. I feel like you're at least going to do a different sport or you're going to have a comeback at some point. That's just mine. You know what? 
experience. My cynical mind went straight away. I, I, I was thinking she'll be back for the US Open in 18 months. Ooh, right? interesting. And that's because she's done three of the four Grand Slams. And, look, I may be totally wrong. but We're both probably totally my, wrong, but yeah, also from experience. My, <laughs> yeah, from my experience. And, and then I would say it's like – if she's had injury, which I sort of was reading between the lines, mm. she said her body didn't bounce back as well as she wanted it to after the Australian Open. It's easier to retire and then take the pressure off you publicly because no one's expecting you to perform. Mm. Uh, retire, take the pressure off you publicly. You let your body recover, let it heal, and then set your sights and set your goals on something. And if you if it works and if you if you want to follow it through, then there's no pressure. Yeah. Right. But then it just takes all of that public pressure off is because if you're sitting on the sideline and you're injured, then the commentators and the people will always, well, Ash Barty's not here or this person's not here and they're going to be making a comeback. And they'll constantly be asking you, how's the body going? When are you ready to come back? How's the body going? And you'll feel that pressure, right? So I I wouldn't be surprised to see her in, uh, you know, 13 months or 15 months' time or even, you know, what, two years' time fronting up, making a comeback. And and then that and then that way then she's done all four, right? Yeah, that's and, but true. she gets to do, she gets to do it on her terms, which is the most important thing. She doesn't have to be part of the system. And let's let's face it, I mean tennis players get paid a little bit different to swimmers. Yeah, so just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so she can retire and she can do a few different things and not feel the financial pressure. Yes. Um, exactly. You know, so yeah, she can just Go and just hit hit tennis balls and just enjoy life, the life of what it is, and not have to feel that she has to be ready for this next tournament or this next competition or the next meet. And um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. But for other people that are out there that are about to retire, you know, I think be you're a long time retired. That's that's probably another thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You Which know, is why we're cynical retire. about a 25-year-old retiree. You're a really yeah. long time retired. You are a long time retired. That's that's one big thing. And I think the other thing as well is, I mean, the reality is, is only each individual know why it is that they need to step away from the sport or the thing that they love doing. You know, and I, I say this all the time. You don't you don't retire from sport and just retire from life. You're going to have to do something. Yes, um, the hardest exactly. thing as an athlete is finding something that you have the same passion for, you know, and, and, and that's the challenge that everyone sort of faces, right? You know, so that's that's the that's probably the biggest tip that I can sort of give anyone. Do you feel like you found your passion outside of the sport? What I sort of realised is that my passion is still swimming. Um, Hi, Roxy. Crawling <laughs> 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 in the background. I love it so much. Hello. <laughs> Really subtle. Didn't see it at all. Oh, yeah. A conference call is finished. <laughs> um, no, I think um, have I found my passion? I think um, what I know I have a passion for is swimming. Mm. And what I also know I have a passion for is people and, and being with people. Yes. Right? I think, And that's the one thing that really I really struggled with in COVID and in lockdowns is because I, I couldn't actually – I get my energy from – motivating and inspiring and hanging out with other people. So do I think I found my passion of, of, of more um, in tune with the things that I really enjoy? Mm. The second part to that is, and what's taken me a long time to realise as well, is I've been able to build a world around what it is that I'm passionate yes, about. Yes, love that. 
right? And that, that's the challenge for a lot of people, right? I, I, I build a world around fitness because I get to exercise with my clients and be with clients all the time um, and have a lot of fun doing yeah. it. Um, and, and then I've been able to create squads and environments and take all of the things that we've learned from great coaches or whatever and be able to motivate and inspire a bunch of adults and do that sort of stuff, which is great as well. And then I've been able to build that whole world where I get to take these people around the world and to some of the most exotic and beautiful locations that we got to go to and bring in that swimming element. So yeah. I've been able to bring in fitness, bring in travel and bring in competition, which is by doing things like ocean swims or other meets and stuff like that. Where so good. Obviously, I don't have to be super fit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being you don't want to be crazy a, fit, but. Yeah, yeah. Just fit enough. But being a participant and being able to just be at that event, which is what replicates us going to things like Olympics, yeah. you know, and that sort of stuff is to be, because you know what sort of buzz and environment when you're surrounded by like-minded people, that is, that's where I get a lot of passion for, for what I want to do now in life. And, you know, so to be able to, to, I guess, harness that into a little package and to be able to share that with the rest of the world, that's, that's the stuff that I'm quite excited about in uh, the next phase of my career. Love that. And so my last question, my very last question, um, I like to ask everybody this because I think most people will see your like Olympic bronze medal or your gold medal at in Delhi at the Commonwealth Games. Like they're the things that people aspire to or, you know, athletes yeah. dream about and they're the big, loud achievements, right? But what are you yeah. most proud of that maybe no one else would be aware of from your swimming career? Definitely the, definitely the comeback in Delhi. Yeah. I mean, the effort to get behind the blocks, that's, that, 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 that was one of the biggest things. Not the effort uh, to get behind the blocks, like the effort to just make the decision to yeah. even try. To, to say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Um, what, what am I proud of the most? I, I think and it's not just doesn't convert in swimming, but probably I can convert it to life, is being able to have the confidence to, I guess, do my own thing and be my own person, mm. right? That's that's probably the biggest thing. And that's that's the hardest thing, especially when you're in the swim team or when you've been a swimmer all of your life, it's hard or an athlete. It's hard because you're always defined as, oh, you're just a swimmer or this. And, yeah. and so it's hard to find um, who you are as a person when you transition out of it. What's your personality like? What are the things you love? What are the things you enjoy? And being able to have the confidence to, to believe in yourself and back yourself and do the things you want to do, right? Like, I mean, this is a, me sitting here in Singapore as a, a prime example or mm. me sitting in, um, you know, making decision to make a comeback when you're 120 kilos is another. So to have that self-belief and the confidence within myself, I think that's probably been uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of. I mean, it... Life never, ever always goes to plan, yeah. but, you know, it's like like all of the manifesting stuff and all of the things that we learn in sport. I, you know, I say this to people all the time. First and foremost, it's got to start with a vision, mm. right? You've got to know what is it that you want to achieve? What does it look like? Are there colours? Are there shapes? Are there smells? Whatever it is. Um, the second thing I say to people is too, right, you've got to take ownership for it because yeah. it's your vision. It's not my vision. It's not your vision. Or well, it is my vision. But once you have the vision, you've got to take ownership for it. Three, you've got to believe in yourself. 
because mm. if you don't believe in yourself that you can do it, then no one else is going to believe in you. Yeah. Four, you've got to have an accountability plan, right? Because it's one thing to know what it is that you want. You've got yeah. to have an actual strategy and a plan to be able to get there. And then the fifth most important point that I sort of share with everyone is that at the end of the day, it's never failure. It's all feedback. Mm. That's it, right? You live, you grow from it, you learn from it, what worked, what didn't work. But like racing, you sit down, you analyse, you look at it, right, it's done. What am I doing now? What's my new vision? What's my new aim? What's my new goal? And they're, they're, that's probably the five points, right? If I, if I take anything away from swimming and what I've learned from all of my stumbles or setbacks or anything else like that, that's it. One, it starts with a vision. Two, you take ownership for it. Three, you've got to believe that you can do it. Four, you need an accountability plan. And five, realise that it's all feedback. Oh, that, yeah, that's a perfect way to finish. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Libby. You're brilliant. Thanks, Skip. <laughs> I really appreciate your time, especially juggling yeah, no. babies and family and, yeah, partners and work no, and all that no. sort of stuff. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, me too. It's been good. It's been, it's, good. It's been so it's been nice. Good. I know. Yeah. It's been so lovely to hear from you. Um, yeah, I love it. So, I love it. Oh, you've always been my favourite, Libby. Oh, right? you we, just, thank you. No, nah, you're like, and to everyone that's out there, like I love when people say, like, what's Libby like? The first thing I just say is, like, you, I mean, you are, you were an animal. You are an animal, <laughs> right? Like you. I am an animal. Super competitive. <laughs> just super competitive, right? Like, and it's. Shush, yeah, the people don't know that. They don't know that I was just a real bitch in the pool. <laughs> no, like, but you just, you knew what you wanted and you went after it and you just, you put it all out there and you just, I mean, some people call it, you, you might be a bitch, but you know what it was? You were just competitive. Yeah. Right. And you just attacked it. And it was, it's one of those things that I just, I remember when I first met you, like we were in, when I first got to spend a lot of time with you, we were in Malaysia. And I was sitting there and I was just going, who the fuck is this person giving me shit? Because <laughs> <laughs> you pull me aside and I'm pulling like my name. You go, Skippy, you know you'd be a better swimmer if you applied yourself a little bit more. <laughs> Did I, I really? Going, oh my God, I don't remember that. And I was going, who's this person? Like giving me a hard time about my life. And I was going, man. After you broke an X amount of world records, then you can come and tell me what to do. Right. And then you went out there and you smashed it and won Olympic gold medals and broke all these world records. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that now. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. I just love it. So when I got to train with you, I was just going, oh, yeah, man, this is going to be an awesome ride. This oh, is going to be that's so funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Oh. Don't worry. I, I never forget it. Yeah. I, forget it. I laugh at that all the time. Oh, I remember yeah. telling off. Thorpey for saying the C word when I was 18 and I'm like who is this person like I don't even know yeah. who I am like, so it doesn't surprise me that I said something like that to you oh yeah I was just like it was a wake-up call I needed I was going like it's like it's like that mosquito fly <laughs> yes. I'm a bad smell that's <laughs> I hang around no, 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 no. You, no, you hang around like a bad smell yeah. no you you're better than that. You've got substance. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> that like that genuinely means a lot. I really appreciate it. That's good. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on today's show of All That Glitters with Jeff Hugel. Uh, yeah, it's such an interesting thing to observe because... You know, you have so many judgments about people. I Like, I know that I have in the past had judgments around Skip and his training ethics and 
where he was at. I used to get so frustrated as an athlete because he was just so unbelievably talented. And clearly, apparently, I communicated that with him, which just um, blows my mind. But you just never know where somebody is at with what they're going through. And, you know, we see the outcome, we see the outside, but we don't know what's going on internally. And it just is another reminder to me, I think, that you can't ever judge somebody's life and their experiences. Obviously, you don't want them to treat people and you poorly, but when they're not harming anybody or they're doing things in a way that you wouldn't do them, I just you just can't judge where somebody is at. But yeah, that was such such a great chat with Skip. He yeah is a larger-than-life character and has had more than his fair share of experiences that I think we can all learn from. And clearly, he has been able to reflect and move through and and learn from in his life so really hope you enjoyed it as always please like share subscribe rate review they're all things that people do isn't it Uh, I should be better at this by now but uh, as always if you slide into my dms and let me know at all that glitters pod uh, who you would want me to to speak to and I look forward to hearing not No, I'm not hearing from you. You'll hopefully hear from me next week. (laughs) Talk to you then. Bye.